you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Micah was 24 years old when it first happened to her. She was living alone in a tiny studio apartment on a quiet block in the city. She was sitting at her desk working on her laptop like she did just about every day. Then Micah's heart started thumping. She could hear blood passing through her ears, thump, 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 and could see her chest moving up and down under two layers of clothing. At the same time, she noticed her hands trembling over the keyboard and her vision becoming blurry when she looked at the computer screen. Suddenly, she was hot and sweaty, so hot and sweaty that she stripped off her sweatshirt and went to run her face under cold water. But as she stood up to go to the sink, the hand trembling traveled down into her arms and legs, leaving her unsteady on her feet. Micah's heart seemed to pound even faster, even harder, she tried taking a deep breath to calm herself down, but her breaths were sharp and shallow. Her vision got darker and narrower and looked like when you close your eyes and press down on your eyelids to see stars. She literally thought she would die alone in her apartment. And then Micah slowly sank to the floor. She doesn't know how much time passed before she was able to get up and steady herself. It could have been 90 seconds or an hour. She crawled from the floor to the bed and slept for about 14 hours straight, as though her life had been drained right out of her. Micah's story is pretty scary, isn't it? She had no idea she was having a panic attack, instead thinking it was some sort of end-of-life event. When first experiencing a panic attack, many people end up in the emergency room, confusing it with a heart attack. Panic can impact the body that much. So here we have another in our list of difficult problems to overcome, a problem within the family of anxiety disorders, an experience that many people believe just comes out of the blue with little understanding of where it comes from or what to do about it. Panic attacks are rarely just singular events, but become ongoing, creating what the mental health establishment refers to as panic disorder. And like most of the other challenging problems out there, the medical world sees it as a medical problem, typically requiring medical intervention. But what does God's Word tell us about panic attacks? How can biblical principles deal effectively with this challenge? We need to dig down deep into the problem of panic attacks, seeing them as indicators of things that need to be solved at the heart level. So let's begin with a good definition of panic attacks, followed by its symptoms and potential causes. A panic attack is a sudden episode of intense fear that triggers severe physical reactions when there is no real danger or apparent cause. That's the key, no real danger. These panic attacks seem to come out of the blue. When panic attacks occur, you might think you're losing control 
having a heart attack, or even dying, as was the case for Micah. Here, then, are the symptoms or signs of a panic attack. A sense of impending doom or danger. Fear of loss of control or death. Rapid pounding heart rate. Sweating. Trembling or shaking. Shortness of breath or tightness in your throat. Chills or even hot flashes. Nausea, abdominal cramping. Chest pain and headache. Dizziness, lightheadedness, or faintness, numbness, or tingling sensations, a feeling of unreality or detachment. Panic attacks typically begin suddenly, without warning. They have many variations, but symptoms usually peak within minutes. A person may feel fatigued and worn out after a panic attack subsides. So what are thought of as the causes of panic attacks? Well, according to most medical and psychiatric experts, here's the common wisdom. They just don't know. Here's how one medical website puts it. It's not known what causes panic attacks or panic disorder, but these factors may play a role. Genetics, major stress, temperament that is more sensitive to stress or prone to negative emotions, certain changes in the way parts of your brain function. Panic attacks may come on suddenly and without warning at first, but over time, they're usually triggered by certain situations. Some research suggests that your body's natural fight-or-flight response to danger is involved in panic attacks. For example, if a grizzly bear came after you, your body would react instinctively. Your heart rate and breathing would speed up as your body prepared for a life-threatening situation. Many of the same reactions occur in a panic attack but it's unknown why a panic attack occurs when there's no obvious danger present. Again, there's one of the key components to a true understanding of panic attacks. They occur when there is no danger present. So let's think through some of the foundational principles to help us to solve what can be a challenging problem for many people. First, understand the body's normal emergency response system. Imagine you're at home, asleep in your bed. Suddenly you hear glass breaking and muffled voices downstairs. You bolt upright in bed, mind racing, heart pounding. What should I do, your mind asks. Grab a gun? Nope, don't have one. Lock my bedroom door? What about the kids? Stay still and pretend to sleep? That's probably not a good idea. Call 911. Pray hard and fast. Your whole body and soul is going into a normal emergency response. A certain amount of panic is a good thing in order to help you spring into action. Of course, too much panic may end up clouding your thinking or even paralyzing you at that moment. Just think if you didn't feel a sense of panic in that situation. You'd be conscious of the threat, but then probably just roll over and go to sleep. Then you would wake up to a house that had been emptied of all your earthly possessions. Or worse, you may not wake up at all. So we should be very thankful that God has made us with the capacity to sense danger with our bodies and in our minds. What is commonly called our fight-or-flight response allows us to make a rapid choice to either attack the problem or flee from it. In these cases, an attack of panic is a welcome thing. 
But as I've already said, not too much panic. Becoming overwhelmed in fear and anxiety keeps us from the best response possible. Just think Jason Bourne or James Bond. They see danger and respond perfectly, it seems. We may think, well, they handle the problem at hand so differently because they don't panic. Yes, in one sense they don't panic, but exude calmness in tough times. Yet they still have an internal panic response to get them to act in the first place. But this brings us back to the issue that a panic attack typically does not have an obvious danger present. Micah, sitting at her desk working on her laptop, did not hear a burglar or see a grizzly bear in her studio apartment. So that must mean our normal emergency response system can go haywire. It can send our body into a panic response mode when there is nothing to be panicky about. This observation is what leads theorists to consider that there's something physiologically going wrong, potentially in the brain. Why else would the body create a panic situation when there's no apparent threat? While a true physiological problem such as a brain tumor could make the body do strange things, there are other explanations for why someone has a panic attack with no apparent trigger mechanism. The rest of our principles will piece together this puzzle. So here's the next one. Begin with asking, what is my body telling me? Whenever something odd happens with our bodies, we instinctively start asking questions of why. What's going on here? When I get a headache, it's really no big deal. Just get the Advil and move on. But what if I start getting migraines or have a bad headache every single day? Sure, I would want the doctor to check into something physiological. But if, like panic attacks, there was no really good explanation, I would have to ask my body, what are you telling me? In the case of recurrent or worsening headaches, maybe my body is reminding me that I'm not getting enough sleep or that I'm overworking or that I'm staring at screens too much or that I'm carrying a lot of anxiety and stress. Well, let's apply that same logic to panic attacks since they first appear to come out of the blue. First of all, was the person's body in good health to begin with? Or could it already have been in a sort of worn-out state? In Micah's case, she hadn't been sleeping well for a while, she lives on late-night pizza, and doesn't have any regular fitness regimen to speak of. Now, this is not always the case, but maybe the body isn't the healthiest to start with. In my experience, there are often other things that have also worn out the body. Here are some examples. Prolonged grief or grief that has not been dealt with very well. Deep bitterness and frustration over important relationships. Ongoing stressful situations that are not being handled properly. Isolation and loneliness. Or even an unrepentant sin habit. And the list goes on. These and other emotional, mental, relational issues can wear a person's mind and soul down, but they can also wear the body down as well. Therefore, initial panic attacks can be the result of a worn-out body and soul. The body just isn't strong enough or resilient enough, causing it to go haywire. So ask the question, what is my body trying to tell me? 
Has it been worn down or abused so it can't handle even a little bit of stress? Or relatedly, can it be God's way to get me to pay attention to what is going on in my heart? After all, he created the body and is in control of it. There are so many times that a body dysfunction is the trigger for us to do some important soul work. Maybe panic attacks are the alert system to deal with my heart. Then here's the next principle. The probability of a long-term anxiety problem. Whenever I talk to people who have recently had a panic attack, a majority of them describe themselves as not being anxious people. While that may be true in some cases, I have found the opposite to be much more accurate. Even the people who claim not to be anxious people usually are. In other words, a panic attack is often just the latest manifestation of a long-term struggle with anxiety. Sure, we all get anxious, but not everyone deals with an anxiety problem or disorder. So part of the process of solving panic attacks is examining how anxiety and worry and fear have been dealt with in the past. Sometimes people think they have a handle on their anxiety, but they've really just pushed it down deeper into the heart and covered it over. Other people are more obvious worriers, and now they have something new to worry about. Anxiety problems that are not solved biblically, listen again to season one's podcast, can certainly recur and become a panic disorder. After all, panic attacks themselves fall into the category of anxiety disorders. So a person must own up, be honest, and admit that the struggle with anxiety is real. Maybe the long-term effects of an anxious heart has finally created issues on the body side of things. Panic attacks give the opportunity to begin to look at anxiety the way God wants us to look at it and be sanctified in the way I deal with my life. Now let's continue our thoughts on the nature and biblical solutions for panic attacks. The next issue, the problem of control. When you listen to the stories, it becomes crystal clear that panic attacks are truly terrifying events, especially the initial ones. The person instantly feels out of control, mind racing just to keep up with what is going on. Again, the body is doing things not typical for whatever is going on around you. So having panic attacks should bring up the issue of control. Why? Well, remember that the best definition of anxiety is that it happens when you try to control what you can't control. Trying to control things we can't control is our way of trying to be God, of not trusting in God, of sinfully wanting control that we have not been given. Since panic attacks are an anxiety problem, then there must be a sense that the person is trying to control an aspect or many aspects of his or her life that are uncontrollable. What I have found is that people who experience ongoing panic attacks tend to be either controlling people or very controlled people, meaning people needing to have life under control. No, I'm not saying that everyone who experiences panic attacks are always manipulating or using people in controlling ways. I mean control in the sense of trying to make sure that everything is in order and going the way I need it to. 
So isn't it interesting that a panic attack makes it clear to the person that he is totally out of control? Panic attacks that come out of the blue put a person on alert that he cannot control his own world. As Christians, we should already know that God is sovereign and he is the one in control. In one sense, every day of our journey in this life presents the choice to either submit to God's control of my life or attempt to control my own life. Persistent control of life, when life becomes even more uncontrollable, will only stir up more and more anxiety, especially when we realize that we don't have any real control. So we must repent of our sinful desire to control what we can't control, thanking God that he alone is in control of our lives. Next, we need to think through our view of God. Of course, I'm assuming the person who's having a panic attack is a Christian. Not to be mean or ugly, but non-Christians should have panic attacks. They should be extremely anxious about living in this crazy fallen world. They have no comfort, no strength, no fortress to hide in. They are completely exposed. But the Christian has a loving father, a sovereign God who is in control of all things. Even having a panic attack is not outside of God's powerful hand. So whenever a Christian has any sort of anxiety issue, it is a requirement to truly think through what he or she believes about God. Maybe the person has given little thought about God these days. Maybe life is humming along, everything is under control, nothing to see here. So the person has become somewhat of a functional atheist, not praying much, not looking at life in view of God at all. Or maybe there's unconfessed anger towards God for things that are going wrong in his life right now. Where has God been? Why isn't he loving me or available to me? Why has he gone dark in my life? Or maybe I don't believe God is really in control, so I must do everything right in order for everything to go right. My perfectionism is required. Hopefully you get the idea. Panic attacks may expose our wrong thinking about God, or they move us away from our true foundational beliefs. As you should know by now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, every one of our problems requires that we face up to what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, our world, and what we believe about other people. Panic attacks demand it as well. They give us an opportunity to dig deeper in our faith in Christ, our relationship with God, or establish one in the first place. Then the next principle is, think through your view of the world and of life. I'm sure panic attacks have always been with us since anxiety has occurred in people ever since Adam and Eve sinned. But why does it seem that more and more people report anxiety problems? I read a research report recently that says upwards of 50% of Americans believe they have an anxiety disorder or have actually been diagnosed with one. 50%. So if there's been a dramatic increase in anxiety problems, it would be likely that more and more people have experienced panic attacks and even full-blown panic disorders. Why is there so much anxiety, fear, and worry today? We certainly can point to an increase in atheism 
and a decrease of people going to church and professing faith in Christ. Godlessness will strike fear and anxiety in our hearts. But a related factor is how people perceive the world around them. Is it really more scary than ever before? Is there more reason to fear and be anxious than in past generations? Common sense says the opposite. We are probably living in one of the more peaceful, comfortable times, relatively speaking. But you wouldn't know it if you watch the nightly news or are constantly bombarded by breaking news on your phone. My point is that experiencing a panic attack also calls upon a person to think through what he or she thinks about the world. If you think the world is out of control, then why wouldn't you be somewhat panicked in your soul? If everything in your world is going wrong, that will certainly produce anxiety. When people become big and God becomes small, life gets more and more scary. Now, we certainly should have a realistic view that says the world is full of sin and evil and can be very frightening. And yet, we should also know that God is still in control of this world. And by his grace, it is not some dystopian, zombie-filled land that we have to survive. Especially in America, we are blessed beyond measure. Whatever our political leaders do or don't do, whatever traumatic events occur on a regular basis. Panic attacks are fueled by a despairing look at the world and your own life. Hopelessness and discouragement will make it more likely to have anxiety to the point of panic. You may not have a panic attack spurred on by a particular situation or event, but just an overall negative view of the world and life can bring one on. Hope in Christ and optimism in this world will go a long way to decrease panic-filled events. Then here's another principle. Watch the fear of more panic attacks. One of the things that makes solving panic attacks difficult is that they tend to make an anxious person scared of the next one. That should make sense since they are very frightening events. A person who has had several panic attacks can tend to be hypervigilant all the time. The worst fear tends to be having a panic attack in public or in church or somewhere hard to escape. But worrying about having another panic attack will certainly create more panic attacks, not less. We humans have a way of creating more difficulty for ourselves when our mind focuses on the probabilities of something, the old self-fulfilling prophecy. Again, it's understandable that Micah would be more sensitive to the beginnings of a panic attack or that she would be anxious about having another one. So the battle becomes one of the mind, keeping anxious thoughts away from the possibilities or predicting that you may not survive the next one. The problem is that a calm, peaceful heart is extremely difficult for the person who is bent towards fear, worry, and anxiety. That sort of self-control of spirit, the willingness to let go of control, is tough indeed. It will help to remember that panic just produces more panic. Now, one last essential principle to help us understand panic attacks. The problem of sin and heart idols. It seems that even Christians have become more and more reluctant to call anxiety and worry sin. I'm not quite sure why, other than the fact that we think it is too judgmental or full of condemnation. 
But anxiety is sinful because it goes directly against the commands of Christ and the call for us to trust God. Whatever is not done in faith is sin. To worry and to be anxious is to operate from a heart idol of control or possibly a heart idol of comfort, compounded by a desire to be God. So if we could see ourselves as having sinfully anxious hearts, when are panic attacks sinful events and not just amoral physiological events? Well, we can be sinful in our response to panic attacks, allowing them to create regular fear and anxiety in our hearts. Instead of trusting God through them and between them, any trust in self or denial of God's goodness and sovereignty in our lives is sinful. But as I just alluded to, sinful idols of the heart may be fueling our panic attacks. Prideful idols of control, lazy idols of comfort or apathy, envious idols of covetousness. These idols don't necessarily directly cause a panic attack, but they wear down our minds, hearts, and even bodies. They stir up problems of long-term anxiety. So just to be clear, Micah's panic attack was not a sin that she needed to confess and repent of, yet it could be the product of an anxious, sinful heart working in her life to move her away from trusting God instead of faithfully towards him. As we wrap up this episode, I want to give a few practical suggestions for dealing with a panic attack and even subsequent panic attacks. First, let them play out. Even the common psychological wisdom begins with some version of let it ride. Don't try to fight it or stop it. Telling yourself the truth is a big part of that. This is just a panic attack, not a heart attack. I'm not going to die. This will come to an end. They always do. As cliche as it sounds, just relax, just breathe, just let it play itself out. To try to control a panic attack just feeds it, since anxiety, again, is rooted in trying to control what we can't control. Now, some would say, go to a happy place. A more biblical route is to set your mind on things above, where Christ is, to pray for peace of heart and mind, to cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Couple this with some good breathing techniques, rest, and the practice of calmness of mind, even in the moment that is most frustrating and alarming. The panic attack will subside. Let it play itself out. Then secondly, don't avoid normal life situations. Having a few panic attacks usually brings a temptation to not be in public when you think you might have one or where one has occurred in the past. It is understandable that the person doesn't want his or her panic attacks witnessed, either because of the embarrassment or because of poor reactions by other people. Somebody may freak out to see me sweating, flush, and breathing funny in church. Anxiety always brings a temptation to just avoid everything, especially what can be perceived as stressful situations. Yet that is the opposite of what we need to do and will actually bring the likelihood of more panic attacks in the future. So it is important to work on pushing yourself to keep up normal daily activities in life. Fearing another panic attack cannot dominate your life. 
This may mean letting friends and family know that you're struggling with panic attacks so they can respond well and even help in the moment. They tend to be very isolating events, so don't become more isolated. Third, get physically healthy. As mentioned earlier, a person's body may not have been in the best shape before the panic attacks began, and it also may be tough to start healthy habits afterward. Yet, since we are body and soul, God commands us to be good stewards of our bodies as the temples of the Holy Spirit. So exercise, eat healthy, and of course get some good rest and sleep. Getting physically healthier will help to prevent further attacks or at least make them much more manageable. And then finally, deal with your heart. Even in the midst of a panic attack, we can pray that God would expose our hearts, soften our hearts to his work, and help us to rid ourselves of heart idols. From the overflow of our hearts, our mouths will speak, and we need to speak the truth. Be honest about your anxieties and let the Lord continue to change your heart. Our hearts need to be continually open to the work of the Spirit and in our weakness, even the weakness of a panic attack, give us the opportunity to experience the strength of the Lord. Panic attacks may send a person to the emergency room at first, but they should ultimately send a person to the great physician to grow in trust and dependence on him. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.